Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And we're bringing you the rest of Killer Trios Week. It's your turn, though. You tell me a case. (sighs) It is my turn, and I have a case for you. Obviously, a trio that is very, very disturbing. I'm going to ask you right off the bat, Do you have you heard of the uh, term BDSM? Of course. And so this is a case that this trio is really into to the BDSM if if mm-hmm. those of you out there don't know it's um I'm actually just gonna read because I'm not gonna lie like I didn't know exactly what it stood for mm-hmm. I knew what it was like all about right but you're gonna read an actual definition but yes Perfect. so I'm just gonna read like some of the terms that it refers yeah. to there is a beginner's guide to BDSM out there oh, and perfect. so my google search reflects some BDSM well uh, inquiries. Listen, I'm not here to stink your kink. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's her, I like that. That's really catchy. So it's it stands for bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, sadism, and masochism. It's basically mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Right. A lot of it is like the fantasy of things and Correct. carrying those out. Consensually. So not knocking those that, like you said, Putting a stink in the cake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not knocking That's out. That's not like, what we're here for. Whatever floats your boat. Correct. But there's people that take this to the extreme mm-hmm. and they really get carried away with it being a fantasy. And so mm-hmm. these two, or I'm sorry, these three people, this was a case where the fantasy of it just wasn't enough. Okay. So it Escalated. became. Escalated. We had to up the yeah. ante. Yep. So this is where we get. And that is not what people of that community are all about no. at all. Mm-hmm. But I think we've had some other instances where it gets, it's too far. Yes. Yep. That line is crossed. Yeah. And and you can't, I mean, I just feel like if I was a part of that community, I would be really upset if people tried to blame their own escalation from fantasy to reality on the BDSM community and, and give them some sort of bad reputation, yeah. if you will, because that's not at all what it's supposed to be like. Consent is key from what I understand. Consent, Consent safe words. And safety. Mm-hmm. We say pineapples if it's too much. Exactly. Like, Bubble so, yeah. gum, whatever. In a healthy way, this is just something that people, you know, their sexual fantasies yeah. and desires and whatnot. So we're not, you know, knocking that. Nope. Absolutely Could it not. get a bad rep from things like this? I think it probably has, mm-hmm. but that's not what it's about. Correct. Yeah. So. And I think if more people educated themselves on it, they would understand that as well. Yeah. So you want to get the whips and chains out? You do you. Do you, you. do you, honey. But this yeah. is a really, just a sad, very sad and senseless case. Okay. So. Great. Yeah. Like I said, it sucks. And <laughs> right. it's we suck, tragic. Yeah. We suck. So bad. We're all oh. weirdly here together to hear about it. The The person I'm going to tell you about today, our victim, her name is Brittany Kilgore. Have you heard? I of? haven't. No. Okay. This is a case that takes place in 2012. Oh, wow. Not long ago. No, not that long ago. Brittany was only 22 Aww. at the time that everything happens. 
Um, Brittany was, I feel like we say this so much, but she was gorgeous. Oh, really? So pretty. She had long, like, really pretty dark hair and dark eyes. She was beautiful. Of course. Yeah, she was super, super pretty. Her friends and family described her as really sarcastic. They said she was, like, seriously the funniest (gasps) person. And I I love that. Oh, I love that, too. Please... Make note someday of my sarcasm if I go before you. In my eulogy, will you please? For sure. Request granted, I will definitely. I want that in mine as well. Like, she was so funny. Yeah, and sarcastic. Yeah. (laughs) No one ever knew when she was being serious or joking. (laughs) Yes. And be honest, like, she had RBF. We weren't weren't sure if it was depression or what was going on. She wasn't the girl was funny. Wasn't approachable, but once you got to know her, she was really fucking funny. Yeah, yeah, something along those lines. Don't worry, you're gonna have one of those funny obituaries if you go before me. Um, Filtered photos. I don't want my laugh lines and wrinkles. Like nobody needs. No one needs to see my pores for real. I got you. Yeah, we'll be. We'll. It'll be beautiful. But yeah, see. So her family said that she was seriously like the funniest person they knew. She was super upbeat they did say that she would light up a room with like her positive energy and her she for real did she really did yeah 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 don't say that about me because i that's not true same same (laughs) Brittany started dating a man that would become her husband and this was from my understanding the first person that she ever seriously dated around the age of 18 or 19 it sounds like they really hit it off they fell hard for each other and so they ended up getting married in 2010 and her family I watched a 48 hour episode on this case her family said that was like the happiest they'd ever seen her at that wedding oh the pictures were adorable she looked happy it was beautiful so she was super happy with this guy his name was so far I'm loving everything about this and just know that the other shoe is gonna drop I know it's always it always starts out with just like those beautiful beautiful moments in pictures life pictures and yeah images so her husband's name was Corey Kilgore and okay. he was going into the military they I think married right out of high school mm-hmm. so his plan was to go to uh, join the military and so they moved to San Diego which I just visited. Mm-hmm. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, God. Yeah, you know, no kidding. San Diego. And so they were going to live on the military base there. It's called Camp Pendleton. Mm-hmm. And so they, they did that. They moved out and, and settled in. Now, Brittany, so the town that she was originally from was a pretty small town in Missouri. It's called, and I hope I get this right, Rest of O'Fallon. Wow. Never heard of it. That's cool. So... That's a it, really cool name for a is. town. And so it was, it's described as like a smaller, you know, close knit mm-hmm. town. And so she was leaving all of her family and friends to go out to California. Wow. San Diego. That's a huge That's move. a big adjustment. When she gets out to California, her husband, he starts boot camp, he's prepping, and then he gets deployed to Afghanistan. Oh, yeah. So... At that point, I mean, I know several people that have been in military marriages, and they are not easy. Not at all. Thank you, everyone, for your sacrifice. Absolutely. It's not just the person enlisted that sacrifices. It's the whole family. Yeah, you're gone from your, your partner for <sighs> months at a time. Mm-hmm. And so what happened is Brittany was feeling pretty alone and isolated sure. after he was deployed. Also, you've got a, a girl that's really young. Yeah. You know, 
Away from her family. Plucked out of her small town. Yeah. Plopped into San Diego. And as funny and as bright as she was, she was also kind of described as introverted and a little bit naive. Okay. Sure. Insecure. Yeah. Not as like bad things, but these were just things that she maybe struggled with. Yeah. So she was feeling pretty isolated out there after Corey had left. Yeah. So, unfortunately, after the deployment, things just, they're not going well. The marriage falls apart, and she makes the decision to file for divorce. Okay. I believe they were out there for a couple years, so this is all, like, unfolding. Sure. Didn't happen overnight. Right. Like, he was in boot camp for some time, and I'm sure that at first it was good and Mm -hmm. exciting. But then after he leaves, things just kind of decline. Yeah. So, she does decide, I'm going to file for divorce. And she wants to do it, like, quickly. I don't know if it was just going to be, like, a clean break, but she wanted to file and be gone before he came back. returned. Okay. So, yeah, in my notes, it, it says about two years of marriage Okay. overall. On uh, April 11th of 2012, she does go and officially file for the divorce. And so, it, like I said, it was going to be a clean, like the next week she was moving back home. Mm-hmm. Her goal date to move back home was April 17th okay. of 2012. Unfortunately, just a couple of days before this move, move is when Brittany's family stops hearing from her. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So she had been planning on packing. She was getting ready for this trip. Her family said that they were texting constantly in communication, like, hey, how's sure. it going? This is going to be a big, yeah. you know, what's the life transition back. Yeah, what's the status? And so they were, I think, a pretty close family that mm-hmm. talked all the time. So when the contact stopped, it was Very obviously yeah, pretty suspicious. So her parents at that point started to reach her pretty persistently calling texting because they're not hearing from their daughter and so they're becoming concerned yeah after a couple days of no response they got a call from Brittany's phone and it was a man it was a random man that had called from Brittany's phone saying that he had found her phone in San Diego and he was basically just calling like Hey, like I, I can see there's all these calls on this right, phone right. and I found it. Yeah. Okay. Like, hey, this phone was randomly found. It was a homeless man. Oh, If okay. I didn't say that. No. But, yeah, you didn't. Um, he's like, hey, I found this phone randomly. You oh. know, it was by a hotel, I believe. So he answered. Wow. And so at this point, the family is like, okay. Yeah. Something's up. Yeah. I'm going to now tell you what happened. Okay. Uh, leading up to contact stopping. Yep. So around April, no, I saw both dates. I think it was the 13th, but I saw the 12th. Okay. So there's some, a couple time sure, inconsistencies, yeah. but around the 12th or the 13th is when things happened. So around 4 p.m. on that day, I'm going to go with the 13th. Brittany was packing. She was getting ready for her move and she hears a knock at her door. So, of course, she opens it, and she sees somebody that she does recognize. His name is Sergeant Louis Perez. Now, I've heard it Louis or Louis. It's L-O-U-I-S. In the docu- documentary, they say Louis, so I'm just going to go with that. Right. But I've heard it said Louis, too. Well, maybe he know. just went by Louis. Could be. I have a friend named Louis who goes by Louis. By Louis. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe that's why. Yeah. So she knew who he was because he was in the Marine Corps with her husband. Okay. They weren't close. There is some background um, interaction. I'm going to get to that later. But some of the reasons that they knew each other. But they weren't friends. Okay. 
So, you know, she wasn't really, yeah, that's what it was kind of referred to as, is he was an acquaintance, but nobody that she would expect at the door at that point. When she answers, Louie basically asks her, hey, I want to go on this dinner cruise um, around San Diego. Would you like to come with me? And she told him no. She's like, I'm packing. I'm getting ready for this move back home. I don't really have time. Yeah. And so she says no. Well, he proceeds to really pressure her, like, hey, you know, okay, fine, if you if you agree to go with me, I can get some Marines to help you with the move, we can move stuff out for you, like, just, you know, come with me. And then, at that point, she's like, no, because I know you have a girlfriend, because he, he has a girlfriend yeah. at the time, and I really don't know what that would look like if I go with you. Right, like, this is weird, man. And so she was very notably uncomfortable. But Rightfully he, so. Right. But he continued to ask and persist, and then what he does, he calls his girlfriend, his girlfriend at the time. Her name's Dorothy Maraguino. Okay. And he calls her and has her, he insists that Dorothy talks to Brittany to say, listen, I'm not feeling well. I'm totally okay with you going on this cruise with him. It's fine. Like, I know about it. Totally okay. This is suspicious. So suspicious. And I think that she was uncomfortable from the start. She said no so many times. And at this point, after this manipulation twist of Dorothy, like, oh, no, go, it's fine. She does agree to go. Mm -hmm. No, I have seen a couple articles where they just kind of vaguely say that Brittany went on a date with him. I, no, I refuse to say this was a date. This was a... Very pressured and almost forced situation like that Brittany awkward, wasn't. weird thing. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't just a simple, oh, she went on a date. Uh-uh. Yeah. No, she didn't want to no. go with him. Yeah. But he was putting out, like, forceful, rapey vibes. And, right. Like, oh, no, no, come with me. And she's just fine. Get out of my apartment. Yeah. I'll agree to go. And, and knowing... was it that night? Was the, the cruise supposed to be that night? Yes. Okay. So he showed up, like, earlier that, like I said, like, around 4, but it was supposed to be that evening okay. that she was going to go. I was one, I thought, probably, that made it even more pressuresome. Yeah. Of just, you know, she didn't have a couple of days to, like, think, think about, about this and get out of it or leave early or anything And then like his that. girlfriend's like, no, 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 go. Right. Go, it's fine. So I'm sure she was thinking this is odd, but she yeah. felt pressured to go. She's 20. She's 22 yeah, at this exactly. time. Exactly. Yep. So it's like. Having the, you know, yeah, I get it. I so get it. And I even, I don't know if it was a family member or a reporter, but somebody made the comment in the documentary that they just wish she would have went with her gut on this. And it's like, I think she did. Right. Because she didn't want to go. She just was so heavily pressured that she ended up just, you and know, agreeing. didn't see a choice. Right. Yeah. I don't think she had a clue what she was in for. I really don't, but she, something was not comfortable for her right. about the situation. She didn't want to be hanging out with this dude that she doesn't really no, know very so well. he's so creepy looking. I want to show you these, this trio. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my God. God. The whole trio is just, ugh. <laughs> and Brittany is, like, gorgeous, and, you know, yeah. it's just, yeah, the whole trio. Oh, my God, the trio. So she agrees to go, and my understanding is he leaves at that point because it's a couple hours out so he, you know, leaves her apartment and says he'll be back later to pick her up. Okay. So Brittany goes over to a friend's house and is like, oh, I was so convinced. This is how we know she was pressured 
into it. Okay. Yep. So she was like, I was convinced to go on this cruise. Do you have a dress I could borrow? I have to like get ready super fast because he'll be back in less than an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, something along those lines. So she borrows the dress from her friend and goes back to like get around really quick for this stupid Dinner cruise. cruise. Mm-hmm. So when Brittany returns home, like I said, she finishes up getting ready and then... Lewis enters the parking lot to pick her up from from her place. She she gets in the vehicle with him. No more than 10 minutes after she gets in the vehicle, her friend uh, that she had just seen reports getting a, a text from Brittany. One word. It says help. Oh, my God. So immediately she knows she's in a bad situation. I don't know what happened. We may never know what happened, but... She knew she was in danger right away. So she texts her friend. Her friend texts back, what, are you okay? And Brittany didn't respond to that text. So her friend texts again, Brittany, are you okay? I'm freaking out here. And then about 8.05, her friend receives another text, a, a response back, finally. And it says, yes, I love this party. Now, her friend was red flag right away because Brittany never used yes. Apparently when they text, it was always yeah mm-hmm. every time. So when she saw the yes response, she was like, that is not. Yep. That's oh, not good. my friend. Good, good for her friend. We would be like that. Oh. I was texting you on Friday. Yes. <laughs> freaking out because you took so long to respond to me. <laughs> I know <laughs> was- it's because we do the true crime but i'm like i had to know you were okay if you were responding with like no emojis or laughs or jokes i'd be like that's not her or poor grammar <laughs> yes. poor punctuation if I it was say. like a very short appropriately um typed out response i would immediately be on yep, that absolutely like, that's an imposter that's, sorry <laughs> and you would do the same i absolutely would i would know the difference between you talking to texting me and someone else yes. for sure so, yeah, her friend knew right away that this was Good. something suspicious was up. She was getting the the yep. vibes because, I mean, you don't just get those random help texts, uh, or, you know. No. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, yeah, I love this party. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, I'm just over here dancing the night away. <laughs> no. Sorry for the cry for help. It was right. false. Yeah. So all, all types of shady things going on. So after that very suspicious text, that is the last time that she ever hears from Brittany. Okay. I mean, it. It was a shady text, but that's the last contact ever made by the phone. From her phone. Okay. So at that point, contacts cut off that day and nobody hears from Brittany. All right. So kind of going back to her parents who hadn't, you know, it had been a couple days. Yeah. That they hadn't heard from her. Brittany's mom's starting to go crazy and she's frantically calling all of Brittany's friends like, hey, have you heard from her? Of course. What's going on? This is not like her. And they do talk to the friend that was with Brittany right before that date. And she's like, yeah, she was supposed to go on this date with oh God, Louis Perez. Yeah. And she borrowed a dress, went back home. Like, that's the last we know. Yeah. Sent me a help text. Yeah. So, so... The friend, the friend is not, the name's not mentioned, and I okay. think there's probably reason. Yep, yep exactly. Because um, it's just referred to as a friend. But I get the impression that they're, it was a very close friend. Yeah. She seemed to know the family, too. She was like, yeah, this, you know, that's the last I'd seen of her, and no one's heard from her after the, you know, the help text. Uh, Louis Perez's number 
Was it Perez's? Yeah, it, ha- it has Perez's. to be. Perez's. Perez's. Yeah. <laughs> so his number was, I, I believe, in the phone. And I don't know the details of, like, you know, how she accessed his number. Or I know that person had found the phone. So, yeah. like, somehow, and I missed that detail, but she gets his number. Okay. Louis Perez's phone number. Mm-hmm. And so she calls to say, like, what the heck happened? Yeah. Where's my daughter? You're the last person that has seen her. Right. Perez, on the phone, he says he did pick Brittany up for the cruise, but they decided last minute they were not going to go on this cruise. They were going to go to a nightclub instead. So he, you know, arrived at the nightclub. He dropped her off, and then he went to park. He, like, swung up to the front door, let her go inside, and so then he went to find a, a parking spot. Okay. And so he said when he got back into the club, she was nowhere in sight. He had no idea where she had went. And so at that point, he figured, and he says this to her mother, he figured she had just found somebody else to hook up with and took off because he couldn't find her anywhere. So in the 10 minutes that he went to park, she was just like, oh. She spotted a better option and and took took off off with them for the night. So that's what his story was. Wow. Like, yeah, so I I looked around for her for like an hour, couldn't find her, you know, so I went back home. So even, you know, Brittany's friends when hearing this, they're like, "Uh, no, No. this she wouldn't just do that Uh -uh. ever. No. She was married, number one, going through this divorce and Mm -hmm. transition, but it was not like her to just randomly go find somebody and be like, oh, let's go. That quickly. Right. In five minutes. Hi, random stranger. Cool, let's go jump in the sack. No. I just saw you for the first time. Yeah. I haven't even talked to you, but let's go, let's go. like right now. Yeah. No. Nope. Yeah. Sounds a little suspicious. So Michelle, Brittany's mother, also stated that after the conversation with Perez, she knew. Yeah. She's like, this man did something to my daughter. Yep. I know it. He's suspicious. The story doesn't add up. Like she knew right away that this was the guy that had something to do with her daughter's disappearance. At this point, they don't know anything else. She's just missing. That mom feeling. Of course. She knew. So after this uh, conversation with Louis Perez, uh, one of Brittany's friends that I believe it's that very friend. She has a couple of close friends in this. So it's like they were, everybody was concerned. She was very loved. They go ahead and they file a, a police report with the San Diego police or the sheriff's office. And they report her missing. They also mentioned to the police that she was last seen with 45-year-old Sergeant Louis Ray Perez. Oh, he's 45. He is. He's older. Yeah, much older older. than her. Yeah. So they make sure and tell the police, like, that's the last person that's seen her. His story is shady. So a detective from the police department, they go to question Perez. Yeah. He didn't have a criminal record at the time. And I guess by, you know, surface... By all accounts, he was 13 years in the the Marine Corps. Yeah, so he, he checked out. He checked out ish. Uh, one of the detectives kind of described him as like not the best Marine. So I don't oh. know that he was like overly impressive, but okay. he still had you know his time served and sure was still active. So when the police do, he had no problem talking to the police at that time when they're questioning him, and he says, "Yeah, I went there. I picked to pick her up. It was, or I went there at four o'clock to help her pack, is what he said, and because she was moving. And then he'd asked her to go out to dinner and on the cruise, and she declined, saying that she was tired. And then soon after, he left 
he claims that Brittany had changed her mind and said, hey, yes, I'll go out with you and text him or, mess, you know, mm. called him saying, oh, I changed my mind. So he returned to pick her up. So there should be a cell phone trace of this. Correct. Conversation. And so then he, again, recaps that story. They went to the nightclub. There's mm-hmm. already some inconsistencies with what he's saying. Things are kind of changing. But he does, again, say that he dropped her off at this club, went to park, went in, couldn't find her, hadn't seen her since. Okay. So he, that's Just what like he's telling. one of the dumbest things I've it's, ever heard. It's such a bad, yeah, it's such a bad story. The detective that interviewed Prez at that time asked if they could take a look inside his vehicle. Yeah. And he, so. Sneak around. Yeah, yeah, at the time he's like, sure, no problem. She supposedly rode in this vehicle, right? Right, right. Yeah. So he agrees. And so they do take a look around. And so the first thing they notice is a rifle case in the vehicle. Okay. And so they're like, what's up with that? Mm-hmm. What's up with that? Yeah, just like that. Just like that. I'm sure they did that. <laughs> I just thought of that Saturday Night Live right. skit when yeah. they sing that. But So yeah, they're like, okay, tell me about this. And so he said there is an AR-15 rifle in the case no big deal nbd just 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 hanging out in the back just my little old gun yeah just my, just my little friend back here yeah. and so they look into the gun that he's carrying this rifle semi-automatic just, rifle you know, an ar-15 yes and it was reported stolen so oh, he huh. at that time he is taken into custody <laughs> right not for her you know they're suspect they're suspicious but they're able to bring him in on this charge because he's got this semi-automatic weapon it doesn't like belong we, to him. I do feel like criminals do this a lot. Sure, I don't want to seem suspicious. So I'm going to let you search this car because I know you're looking for clues to a murder. Yeah. That they don't know has happened yet, but I know has happened. And I know that I have this stolen gun in here, but that's all, that's no big deal yes. compared to what I've really done. I, I agree. Or it's like... I allowed you to see this, so I would be honest. That, right, right. That like, could be true. I'm showing you my my gun. Did he, was he honest to say, "Hey, I've got a stolen weapon back there"? Right I don't from know. The Get go. I doubt it. I was going to say I don't know that he had admitted it was stolen because um, it sounds like they figured they that figured out. that out right. But so he was just like, "Oh yeah, t- snoop around. Yeah, have yourself a look-see. take a look. See, <laughs> yes." Make yourself at home. Like, he was more than willing to just have them take a look in the car. Right. Which we will later find out. I don't know why he agreed to this, but whatever. We'll Sometimes get to that. Sometimes they're so cocky and arrogant that they think they're smarter than everyone else. I, I think it could have been this. Maybe he had the mindset of that because he was a sergeant that he would get away with this. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, that could be too. But either that or he was really stupid. Also that. <laughs> I, I'm debating on which one it mm-hmm. was, and as you will um, come to see. They did arrest him on uh, with the weapon because okay. it was stolen. So at this point, he is the person of interest in this case. He was the last to see her. His story is a little sketchy. Right. It's not adding up. So they are definitely really questioning him more than anybody mm-hmm. else. In this case, after they they bring him in, at this point, they don't know that Brittany's dead or alive, but they're hoping that she would still be alive at this point. And right. I want to mention also with this case, everything I'm sharing with you, this unfolds within like a week. It's very quickly okay. solved, which is great. Uh, yeah. Sad, but, but great, you know. And you know what I was just thinking this whole time is all of this is going on and her husband is, is deployed. deployed. 
Yeah. It's, wow. it's so sad. He, I don't even, I don't know if he knew about the divorce. I mean, right. I don't know. Right. But yeah, all of this happens when he's completely gone. Wow. And that is really sad. Yeah. At this point, the family comes in. They're helping. The search is starting. They're mm-hmm. putting flyers up. They're calling. They were very actively involved in the search for, for Brittany around the San Diego. And um, I forgot to mention, and I apologize, she was actually living. I'm glad you didn't research this before you visited San Diego. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so she was actually living in Fallbrook, okay. which was outside of San Diego. Mm-hmm. So that's where, like, they were living in Fallbrook. It was, like, a little bit outside. It, t- my understanding wasn't, like, it, it was a little bit of a ways, but San yeah. Diego wasn't we're super far. We're not downtown. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So I just wanted to clarify that. Okay. I forgot to say. I think the base or the camp was in San Diego, but, like, they mm-hmm. were living outside of it. Okay. So while he was in custody, they did obtain his cell phone. And they start looking at that. So they start looking through his cell phone, looking at messages. And they do find messages from his phone sent to Brittany Kilgore's phone. The first message was sent at 9.20 p.m. on the 13th of April. So that was, like I said, there was like the 12th, 13th. Right. But that that evening of the 13th, he sent a message and it said, your friends are calling me worried. In alignment with that help text that he... You know, obviously knew Saw. she had sent. Mm-hmm. So he's sending that like back to her like, hey, your friends have contacted me. They're super worried about you. And then later that night he sent another one and it said, now I'm worried too. Because obviously she didn't mm-hmm. respond. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, trying to cover the tracks. That shit is so psychic, psychotic to me. It is. Like you are a fucking psycho. Yeah, like he's, you know, what they're putting together is he's really trying to like make his his story yes. look like uh-huh. it happened right but he really sucked at it though even oh, though he did all of this crap i'm gonna guess we've got some narcissistic tendencies oh my gosh i have. was thinking the same thing same thing so the the detectives also they question the suspect's uh girlfriend at the time mm-hmm. remember dorothy yes good old dorothy. good old dorothy she was questioned as well because she had talked to Brittany. Right. And said, go I'm have a good time. I'm not feeling good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they were like, okay, we're going to ask you some questions. And Dorothy said that uh, Lewis had returned home that Friday night sometime between 10 and midnight. He remained in the Fallbrook house. They all were in the Fallbrook area yeah, outside yeah. of mm-hmm. San Diego. He stayed there all night. Nothing, you know, no big deal. Like yeah. he was home the rest of the night. A regular night. Right. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Louis Perez. I don't care to know much about him, but, yeah. you know, because yeah. he's a... I agree. He's a turd. Mm-hmm. But he did seem to be, as investigators started looking into it, leading a double, maybe triple life. Oh, wow. He had many hats that he was wearing. Okay. Outside of being a sergeant for the Marine Corps, like I said, I think it was like 13 years that he had been in the military. He was highly involved with, as I had told you, mm-hmm. basically like a fetish lifestyle. Okay. He was very much obsessed with the BDSM sexual fantasies and carrying those out. With his girlfriend, Dorothy, this is the person that he was into the the bondage and the sexual, you know, the BDSM. Mm-hmm. And also there was a roommate, another roommate that Dorothy lived with, and her name was Jessica Lopez. So the three of them... How did I know it was another woman? Yes. Okay. So they, they were 
And as detective said, it wasn't just like hobby. This like they lived this lifestyle of okay. like Perez being their leader and the dominating. Right, so he's the dominatrix. Yes. Okay. And they would submit yep. to him. So he's the dom. They're the submissives. Yes. So not only okay. do we have this component, but Louis Perez was also married. And so he not only lived with his girlfriend outside in Fallbrook and Jessica. So they lived together like in Dorothy's house. Yeah. He also had a family on the military base. Oh, my God. A wife and a 13-year-old daughter that he lived with. So he had like all of this going on. And did they know about the wife? Did You know, I don't know. Like if his wife knew about his fetish lifestyle? I do not know if he was just so dominating to all that right that's what i wondered they did just did what he said because he was very much about that like dominating like you know that he would be the dominating one okay so i didn't find any information um his like military family was very much not in any of this like kept out of yeah maybe they didn't know then and just wanted to stay out of it as well i would don't blame them yeah i i would be led to believe that mm-hmm. there was nothing really about them other than he had a family and yeah. he had a, a girlfriend and Jessica like doing the the BDSM okay. stuff on the side. Wow. All right. I don't know how he kept up with it all. Me neither. Because well, he, he's got more energy than I do. Yes. That's for sure. Heck yes. And he was, you know, in his Yikes. 40s. Wow. Good for him. Because it said he lived no. with, like, lived with that Jessica and, and Dorothy, lived at the base. Like, yeah. Good Lord. I don't know. That's a lot. That's too much for me. It's exhausting. It's hard for me. I, right. It's exhausting to even think about. Like, I have a bedtime. Oh, a, gosh. I a just routine. Got... Like, I can, I could not keep up not with that. must not enjoy his relaxation time like we do. Clearly, he does not care about his downtime. Anytime that I hear about the double life thing, it's just so hard for me to fathom because I barely successfully lead one life. I know. How, How do you... people do multiple? Like, I'm legit tired when I get out of work. I'm not going home to another, no. a different family. Family. No, twice in one night. Yeah, no, like, I don't get it. <laughs> Not having it. Maybe he just stayed active and was like super pumped all the time. I guess, but just very good at time management. Yeah, so we have a lot going on here with Lewis. He's okay. not turning out to be like the it's not most a stand up guy. Stand up guy as no. they're looking into him. Now they actually, you know, as the search is carrying out, obviously words getting around. They're looking sure. for things. They do get a push in the right direction very early on in this case when a woman that she contacted the police department to give them a tip that she had dated Louis Perez, probably when he was married to Right, right. Probably two months ago. Yeah, yeah. But she calls in to give them a heads up like, hey, I've dated him and he's into some really sketchy shit. Oh, okay. One of the detectives talked to her on the phone and Cats she out of the bag. Yeah. Meow. She okay. disclosed some of the things that he had done with her when he was in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that he would do is he would like to mean and mind you, this is while he's dating her. He would find other women that were very vulnerable, low self-esteem, broken marriages, you know, mm-hmm. going through Mm-mm. difficult things and predators know mm-hmm. who to pray who, on. To, who mm-hmm. to pray on they do always so finding those very vulnerable people women mm-hmm. and so he would 
lavish them with gifts and, you know, just really lay it on, like, really just grooming them, basically. And just making them feel so good and just acting so wonderful to kind of get them into his world. Mm -hmm. Had to get that power over them, basically. And then he would push the bar on what they would be willing to do sexually. Mm -hmm. So grooming them in and then... Pushing now them I'm to gonna, their extremes. Yeah. Now I'm going to ask you to do some really uncomfortable okay, things. Not at all what BDSM is supposed to be about. No. No. This is like completely. No, this is manipulation and forced coercion and. Mm-mm. Yeah. And so this lady that did not mention a name, obviously, she said that some of the things he would do would be like stripping girls naked, forcing them to get in his trunk, locking them in. He would take them naked in the trunk to work, leave them in there for like four or five hours. Oh, my God. Locked in, go about his day, leaving them trapped. So these were like really bizarre sexual fantasies for him that That are dangerous. Dangerous. Like like I said at the beginning, there's that speculation that knowing it was a fantasy that could be stopped and safe was not enough. Right. And but also... How, where's the safety in that? Do they have a cell phone to say it's blazing hot in here and I can't breathe anymore? Nothing. No. Right. They were completely trapped. That's, that's torture. And I think that was the sick part that he enjoyed was Absolutely. having that domination. Absolutely. So this woman was like, yeah, this, you know, he's yep. doing these things and you should know that it, you know, he's done some very dangerous things to women. Mm-hmm. So it's not a far stretch to escalation to someone who does isn't consenting exactly mm-hmm. i mean see that so often the that was that was a break that was like okay we already suspect him but now we know what he's kind of yeah. what he's capable, what he's capable of. of yeah on the 15th of april the detectives get enough to go search the the home of the trio perez margolino and lopez mm-hmm. home and where the thruple was yep. living in the th- i like that word <laughs> The thruple, they were living in Fallbrook. So they go ahead and they go to the home. They discover all of the things. I'm sure. Yep. So many things. So what they found um, in the house was a sex dungeon. It was equipped. So it was in the basement of the house. Um, like as dungeons often where are. Where we're sitting right now. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Perfect place for a dungeon. Yes. Always in the, in the basement. basement. Yep. So they found a, a variety of sex apparatuses. Sure. Toys, tools, handcuffs, whips, leather restraints, and chain shackles. So they're finding, like I said, all of the things. All, every one of them. Yep. All right. So when they were asked about their, described as a sadomasochistic playroom, Dorothy and Jessica explained that they did participate in this erotic master-servant, master-slave role-playing Mm-hmm. Very frequently, and Dorothy identified herself as a dominatrix and said that Louis Perez enjoyed spanking them and dominating them, but she also would dominate Jessica. Jessica oh, was like the okay. low man on the totem pole. I see. Like, yep. I think there's Jessica, a hierarchy here. Yes. And Jessica. She's like bottom. not it. Bottom oh, of the barrel. Okay. Like, I do think that she was just like basically the slave. Yeah. The, to like, them both. To both of them. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they like, fully took these roles on. Like, this is just, like, how they lived. Yeah. Who so am I to more... judge? I'm a slave to my dogs. 
True. You know, they we do, all have our things. They do have me wrapped around their yes. paws. Yep. I mean, they're in complete control. For sure. But yeah, they just very much like were, they believed this. It was not, it became more than fantasy. For it was sure. Like, this yeah. is our life. Yeah. And in the meantime, he's just going home like, hey, honey, I'm yeah. home. Hey, where's dinner? Meatloaf and potatoes tonight? Hi, All right. Hi, daughter. How are you doing in school? Yeah. I'm going to go get I gagged just, and uh, whipped. Right. Be yep. back. I'll be back. In BRB. A, I'll be back in a bit. I'm just going to go to my slaves. and. Right? My life is so boring. For sure. My uh, goodness. Back to the cell phone. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they had they had seen the, te- the text messages. Lewis is still in custody at this point, and so they do continue to investigate his cell phone. And what they're able to do is use it to determine where he had been. Like, they're, you know, tracking where he had been. They did determine that, yes, he did go to the apartment complex that Brittany lived at. Mm -hmm. They discover that she never leaves Fallbrook at all, you know, because he had said they went to San Diego. Yeah. To to the club or whatever. Using a combination of, like, both phones, tracking locations, they discover, like, okay, they never left Fallbrook that evening to go to San Diego until about 9.20 p.m. that night. Then the cell phones are tracked going to San Diego. But that's not, that does not align with It doesn't with align with his said, story at all. That they went straight. Or his text messages. Correct. Because it was about that time that he's like, oh, my par- your friends are calling me yeah, worried. worried. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, like I said, 9.20, that's when they see the movement into San Diego. So what the investigators were able to determine as that Lewis was really, again, just trying to back up his own story. When he said they had went to the club in San Diego and she went missing, he basically drove into San Diego later that night and tossed her phone uh, okay. randomly. I like, see. Onto on the, the street. Side. Okay. Yeah. That's what they were able to piece together of like, you didn't go to San Diego yeah. when you said you did. Right. But you did You did go and drop her yeah. phone off. But it was later that night. Yeah. So then he turned right around and like goes right back into back to Fulbright. Oh, so okay. it was literally like a phone drop and back. Okay, and they were able to see that piece yeah. that together. Right. At this point, this I mean, we're talking like massive search, the canine unit. Like they'd been searching, but they're like, sure. uh, we're really yeah not sure she's optimistic alive. at this point. So yeah. canine units brought in the families, calling hospitals, calling anywhere to see if um. there was a reported. Like, of course, body found anything. And so it gets like they up the ante at this point to really try to find her. The more that they ask questions to Lewis and the trio, they're able to piece enough together to actually obtain a warrant for his vehicle to actually go in, take things and, as yeah, evidence. Yeah, and do like a forensic thing. Mm-hmm. Right. This is the part where, I, like I said, Either his ego was so big. I would think absolutely it is at this point. He's yeah. used to being a dom. That's exactly. So I think as as a And he's surgeon, crossed over just from the fantasy. You know what I mean? He yeah. thinks he's dominating everything. He thinks he's untouchable or he's so stupid. Yeah. Because yeah. when they go into the vehicle, they find a plethora of evidence. Oh, Lord. It's like a an evidence buffet, if you will. <laughs> So, okay. So when they go in, they find a plastic bag that contained blue gloves, like oh yeah, surgical, surgical gloves, gloves or whatever. So they find that the gloves have blood on them. What the fuck? Okay. So, so they find those. Obviously, take them in. 
Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll take these. Thank yeah. you. We're taking these. And there was also like a plastic, some other plastic with blood on it, I, I guess. I don't know exactly what it was, but it was described as like plastic with blood as well. Okay. I'm going to take that too. Yeah. So we're collecting so many things. Help and- ourselves to all the bloody evidence. Yes. So the other thing they, they found, and this is just, it makes me sad because they found a stun gun in the vehicle. So they did take that obviously run for DNA. The The stun gun also had like a hair follicle on it. So it's like the universe is like, oh, yes, here you are. Right. for you. That's exactly what it sounded like. It's, too. It did. Sure did. With that light like shining yep. down. Yep. It probably felt like that to the officers. I From mean, the really. way they were talking, I do feel because they were like, "There's, there was, there it was." Yeah. And so when they did run tests, they did find Lewis Prez DNA on the handle of the stun gun, mm-hmm. and they found Brittany Kilgore's DNA on the electrical prongs. Mm-hmm. So they knew that he had used. So it that's on how her. he was able to get her to neutralize her. Yes. So that she couldn't fight back. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I'm gonna gather that happened pretty quickly. Yep. Because she yep. knew she was in danger mm-hmm. right away. And they do later on confirm that the blood belongs to her. Like, yep. I mean, this all takes some time, but they do confirm that that blood does belong to her. Before the confirmation, even, like, they're pretty sure they've yeah. got their person. Definitely. Even before DNA confirmations, they're like, okay, this is pretty, pretty clear. And so they, they're able to obtain a warrant for the house mm-hmm. where the trio lived. So when they go to the house... Because Dorothy and Jessica were supposed to be there. They're not home. They're nowhere to be found. Police suspected, all right, they're hiding. They're ta- they've taken off. So they begin to search for these two. Were they chained in the basement? <laughs> Good. Qu- that is a valid question. <laughs> like, you can't find them initially, but did you check the sex dungeon? Now, I don't know who's out there giving these tips, but the, the tips helped. Because they were led to a Ramada hotel where the two of them were staying. Could be located. Could okay. Be. Room 105. They're Perfect. like, here you go. And the t- they were, in fact, at the hotel. When the deputies, they arrived at the room, it was about 9.30 a.m. in the morning. They that did, is what a.m. stands for. It, yes, it is. <laughs> 9.30 a.m. In, the, in morning. the morning. It Everyone. was morning. That sets a tone, too, by the way. Okay, so at 9.30 in the morning. Yes. In this hotel room. In, yeah, in the hotel room. So the officers do knock first, and they're greeted by a very sleepy voice from Lopez, and she said that she was too exhausted to, the, to come to the door and let them in. <laughs> <laughs> so Listen, same girl. I get it. 9.30. Too, you're asking too much half, of me. Half the day's gone by then, bitch. Get up. <laughs> So it sounds like the deputy was able to crack the door, but it was chained. Oh, so, yes. Oh, like, yeah. See in a little this bit. This is a classy Radisson. Huh? And they, yes. And so they saw some blood on the floor from oh, just opening. Yeah. Okay. The so chain. now they have reason so like, to like. Shit. Is yeah. this Brittany? Is yeah. this, what is this? So that they proceed to kick the door in Perfect. at that point. They're yes. like, we, we've got to look at this. chain will not stop us. Yeah. Um, I love a good entrance like that. Yeah. Kick in that door right in. When they enter the room, what they find is Jessica Lopez. She's naked from the waist up. She's covered in blood from injuries that they do discover she had inflicted on herself with a knife that she had with her. There was cuts all over her neck, her wrists, and also Dorothy had left at this point. She was not in the hotel anymore. 
Um, so it's just Jessica. Just Jessica. Yep. Covered in blood. A message in red lipstick was written on one of the mirrors, and it said, Pigs, read this. And so right below the lipstick message, there was a seven-page letter that was handwritten, and it was laying there for the police. Seven pages. I'm, I bet it was grammatically correct. Crayon. Written in crayon. <laughs> right. <laughs> Seven pages. Seven pages. And so and I love how they're just like pigs read this. Like, like what? Okay. How what the only how, what thing a more nice cliche way. is like here's some donuts too. Yeah. Like come they sh- on. They should have left it in a thing of donuts. For sure. Like the, the yes, letter. here's the letter. The seven page letter in a donut box. So what they find in the seven page letter is basically a full on murder confession from oh. Jessica Lopez. Really? Giving the details of what happened. Okay. In the confession, what she says, she admits that there was a very violent fight with Brittany. Now, I do want to mention, I believe that Brittany was very badly sexually tortured. Yes. But I didn't find that, which I don't, you know, I'm glad. I don't know that they disclosed everything that happened to her. Good. Um. You know, there was this full confession that discloses, like, how she's killed. Yes. But I think she went through things that we might never know. Of course. Before that. Yeah. I think that that is pretty safe to assume. Yeah. And also not details that if it were my daughter that I guess I would want the whole world always knowing either. Right. I I think she suffered a horrible night from hell Mm -hmm. of sexual torture. Yep. And then, you know, so from that point on Lopez is is talking about the struggle of her murder okay and she does confess that Brittany fought like hell good for you yes um that she it was basically like a battle between the two of them and she ended up uh, trying to strangle Brittany with a ligature like a Mm -hmm. I don't know some kind of some kind of ligature something yeah and so she's trying to strangle Brittany but she Reported that Brittany just wouldn't die. So she tried like multiple times to Strang- strangle her. Strangling is not an easy task from what I understand. And, and it takes strength. Probably not. And when you see them. Okay. Uh, no offense. But the cardio probably wasn't strong. Okay. Sure. Sure. So. Right. Brittany's 22. Right. It's very physical. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that could have been part of the fight. Yeah. Yeah. But it sounds like she fought like hell. Uh, Brittany Good. did. Um, she does, she did admit to killing Brittany finally. And this is what she said in the note. Uh, she said she killed Brittany out of fear that Louis, Louis Perez would be seduced by her. So after she did finally succeed in killing Brittany, she made some really lousy and horrible attempts to dismember her body that were unsacessful because there's very deep lacerations found on Brittany's body Okay, that they discover like to the bone. Oh my God. Sounds like she probably didn't know what she was doing. Takes strength, cardio. Yes. All the things she does not have. Right. Now, I didn't see this. I didn't find this information, but I would... Lean on believing that she was forced to write this letter. Absolutely. Like, she did not do this by herself. Hell no. No. Like I said, that wasn't in the documentary or and that I watched. She's but a submissive. Yeah. You Jessica do. didn't do this by herself. Yeah, no. You do what the doms say. I don't know. It 
it was kind of described as this like lousy suicide attempt. So I think it was like a superficial mm-hmm. attempt as well. Mm-hmm. And it and obviously Dorothy was MIA. For sure. And so, Lewis. Yeah. And Lewis is in custody still. Right. Right. So it's like uh, Oh right. I did forget he was in custody. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, they still have him. Yeah. But it's like no way. Jessica you didn't yeah. do this by yourself. Unless they made her kill like that could be an option that too. Because like I said, she was low man. Yeah. Right, for sure. So but it, this was definitely she could not her idea and no, not her doing. For sure not her idea. So if she did actually which maybe she did fully murder Brittany, but that could have been a forced act definitely. as well. Yeah. Because she's the slave. Jessica went on to say in the confession that she hid the body of that whore in almost plain Ugh. sight near Lake Skinner, noting that police would find handcuff marks on the victim's wrists. Lopez said that she had deposited the knife that she used in her attempts to chop her up in a beach restroom in Oceanside. Ugh. The police would also find a pair of handcuffs with the knife. This was again in the letter. Mm-hmm. In the note, she also went on to say that she was taking full responsibility for <laughs> Brittany Kilgore's murder. Oh, convenience. Yes. That's yeah. amazing. Thing is, I didn't read it in any of the details, wow. but I'm going to assume that this was a forced confession. Right. right. Wow. So at 2.30 later that afternoon after they found this, you know. Yeah. All of Glorious this. letter and all of the things that they found in the hotel. They did make the search for uh, Britney's body, and unfortunately, they, they did find it right where, where the it letter was. said it would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did find her naked remains. Uh, she was lying in brush along the side of the road near the oh. lake, oh. just as described. And it was just twenty three miles outside of Fallbrook that she was found. Okay, she was um, her family. I know. I mean, poor her too, of course. But oh. I know. For her family they to were still holding to on. listen to all this, too. Yeah, the, the yeah. whole time. Like I said, this is a matter of a couple of days. Yeah. So they're still holding on to, of like, course. our daughter could be alive yeah. still. Yeah. So this would be just horrible. Brittany was identified by a tattoo on her wrist of her grandmother's name, Aww. which was Eileen. And so they knew that, that mm-hmm. they had found her because that was a distinct marking that sure. she had. So at that point, the police did call to notify the family that they'd made a positive idea of her body. And this just broke my heart. Brittany's really good friend on the documentary was talking about that Michelle, Brittany's mother, had called to let her know what they, they had found. And it was actually her birthday, her the friend's birthday when she called. And she said that Oh my gosh. she just, like, her birthday is such a trigger now. Oh, I bet. Because that oh. was her, like, best friend. So. Oh, my gosh. It would just be so horrible. That would be. Oh. And she was very emotional talking about, like, she just doesn't like her birthday mm-hmm. anymore. So, so sad. That is sad. So, at that point, police arrested Jessica Lopez. Um, it was April 17th when she was arrested. And that was on the charge of first-degree murder. Man, this all happened in four days. Yeah, it and was a matter of a couple days. Great job for the people calling in yeah. those tips. Yeah, it really Obviously, was. Obviously, these these people were on some other, some of their, quote, friends' radars for, like, For yeah. sure. And there is some details. I, I think I put it in at the end. But there's details of people that did say that the three of them very openly, like, dinner talk, would disclose their relationship. Okay. Like, the, domina- yeah. the dominating, submissive roles. Listen, and so. I don't care if you're into foot porn, Amber, but I probably don't want to hear about it. <laughs> right. And it sounds like they were just like, you know, hey, come over, have dinner. Yeah. 
bound and gagged Louie earlier. Yeah, right, right. You know? Yeah. He's yeah. going to whip us tonight. Yeah, don't worry about all those marks on him. That was just our yeah. foreplay. <laughs> right. So it sounds like Nothing they were- to be alarmed yeah, about. Yeah, this was their life. This was their, they very much lived their roles together and they sure. would tell people about Which it. Which is totally fine, but you, you probably shouldn't even, like I would never tell- I would be alarmed if you're like, well, have a good night. Gonna go uh, chain Matt up to the wall. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tonight. Like, even even not even having a fetish, I'm still just not gonna <laughs> drop that in random right. r- as casual conversation. We're eating our sushi together. And I'm like, you know what I really like Matt to do tonight? I mean, okay, exactly. I actually might joke about like something. That's now we not, will. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, now. But I'm gonna grab that cat of when, nine tails. When you... <laughs> Cat and I too. Have a good night. Yeah, gonna grab my cat. Right, cat and nine. Like I guess the more I'm th- that I'm talking about this, you know, close friends, close friends maybe do divulge some of that For stuff because sure. I guess I could see us having an intimate conversation. Oh yeah, yeah. But just it sounded like some of these friends that are saying that were disturbed by it. it like yes. I didn't invite this information. It found it disturbing, but they would just lay it out there like it was totally normal to be talking about. Yes, and that it, later so, on the trial is something that's brought up of like, yeah, they really openly talked about yeah, this, just all of this sharing stuff it all. That they were into, sure. Okay. Right. And again, not here to stink your kink. No, that is no, totally no. fine. But know your audience and and be safe. That's all, you know, consent and safety. And I think it's just like for a normal day-to-day conversation that probably would catch some off guard to Absolutely. just hear all of that stuff. I agree. And it could be traumatizing for some. Sure. It absolutely could. I mean, you just never know. Some people that came from deeply abusive childhoods might not want to hear about those sorts of violent right, acts right. that they associate with intimacy. And so, you know, in, and with those acts, like like we said, we're not stinking the kink right. here. But sometimes those things are also traumatic. Like not everybody yes. likes those no. things, and sometimes they can go the other way. Correct. Right, you know. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So I feel like it's just a subject that maybe not everybody is going to talk about every day. About, yes. You yep. know, conversation over over their lamb chop dinner. Right. Exactly. So when they bring Jessica in and arrest her, there is a period of time that Dorothy, she goes MIA. Sure. She took off. Yeah, she's throwing she Jessica him. under the bus. Of course she is. She probably whipped. Threw him right you know, to the pigs. Yep. She's like, you she will do this. But, yep. And then she she took off. So they, they But they do find her. Of course. Um, long story short, I mean, they were on the hunt for her, and they do find her. Perfect. Um, they don't find her until May 10th. So oh, no she's shit. Got a little, okay. She's got a little sabbatical. All right. um, <laughs> they, they don't find her for a good month, you know, a little less than a month. Yeah. But um, she did take off. So at this point, once they do find her, they have all three of them because Lewis was never released because he right. clearly was guilty. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were all held on $3 million bonds. Okay. They were like, we're pretty sure they're not going to get bailed out with yeah. this. And they don't. All three of them had pled not guilty. Shocker. Oh, of course. So the preliminary hearing, um, that took place on March 11th of 2013 in the Vista County Superior Court. And this is when Brittany Kilgore's uh, best friend testified and said, so there was, like I had mentioned in the beginning, there was some involvement. They had known Louis Perez and Jessica and Dorothy because back in 2011, so her friend, this friend that testified, 
her name is Elizabeth Hernandez. It was disclosed in the like the trial info, oh, okay. so I'm just going to put it out there. there. Yeah, okay. Elizabeth Hernandez said she had responded to an ad selling a fertility mo- monitor on a website used by military families. Hernandez said she had befriended Dorothy because the two of them were trying to get pregnant oh, at the same okay. time, so they kind of had that in common. So after that... Brittany, because they were close, like, they kind of, like, started, a, like, a brief friendship with, yeah. with Dorothy. So they were visiting occasionally yeah. at that time. Hernandez also testified that Perez, Lopez, and Marglino openly discussed, like I said, their sexual fetish lifestyle mm-hmm. and all the details of it. That Perez was their master. They were submissive. Like, they were very, you know, open to share all of that. Probably another reason why Brittany was like, yeah, no, I don't want to go to this dinner cruise with you. Yes, and that's exactly kind of what happened. And like I said, when the investigators, they talked about, you know, once they got this information, they really had to look into this BDSM lifestyle too to understand. to understand it. And that's when they realized, like, okay, Jessica's, like, she's low man. Yeah. Like, she was yeah. slave to all. Yep. Let me understand this culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, and they did. I think they really had to dig into that it. That was smart of them. What they also found is that Dorothy, super controlling, super, like, controlling over Jessica. Over Jessica. So yep. Not over Lewis. It's like Lewis was the mm-hmm. boss of all, but she got that power over Jessica. Yep. It sounds like she... And maybe someday they would have invited somebody else for Jessica to be dominating over. Yes. As well. And... adding to the fam. The other thing I wonder is, you know, when they got that tip about... From the girl that had dated Lewis before. Yes. I I just... I don't think this was their fir- their first time, you know, with the full no, kidnapping. Most I think they did not. this to other vulnerable people. Yep. yep. But maybe the first time they murdered someone. Yes. Yeah. Um, like you said, you hit the nail on the head. When they started talking openly about their their relationship and their sexual lifestyle, Hernandez said that both of them, Brittany and Elizabeth, they both made it clear they were not going to be participating in yeah. any of that. Yeah. And so I at that point the relationships went okay. south. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I have no use for you now if we don't have this in yeah, common. Yeah, if you're not going to, like, engage in what we're putting out there. Yeah. So the the friendships go sour. And okay. it doesn't sound like it was very long sure, lived. Sure. That, that could be a pretty short conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Wrapped thinking. things up pretty yep. quickly. Yep. And so there was that falling out. And so around this time, bringing you back to the beginning, is when Brittany decided to file for divorce. So okay. it's like this. They had this, like, brief acquaintanceship as we yeah. would say it's yeah. i wouldn't say that they were actually friends no but it yep. was through this ba- this monitor contact. this brief contact yeah yep, because of the fertility monitor yeah so there was like a little connection there and that's how she knew who lopez was when yeah. he came to the door yeah but they were a little salty about the the falling out and i think that it was Brittany that was more vocal about not having that, you know, not participating. Because it sounds like Elizabeth still kind of talked to them a little bit because they would say stuff about Brittany. Like, they would call her names, like, the disease, and they would call her herpes and just, like, horrible things about okay, her. that makes zero sense. Exactly. So they were just like... So these three don't have a brain cell to rub together. No, no. None. Okay. None. Between the three of them. Not a single one. And so, And they would make comments... Referring to like, oh, we would get, we would get rid of her, but we know you'd miss her. 
And so Elizabeth says, like, she thought they were joking. Right. You know, there was the falling out, but she thought they were joking. Yeah, poor taste, but didn't wasn't going to take them seriously right so but that was part of the testimony that so they really just didn't like to be rejected by this beautiful girl so exactly i think that that was part of it and maybe that they decided to dominate her another motive that they feel like was a part of this is that i believe it was dorothy's birthday was coming up and so this was they speculate possibly a gift to her oh barf Mm -hmm. so i think there was number one they were bitter because there wasn't a willing participation yeah because i'm sure they had you know they had the willing participants right so then it was even the more fantasy, of a motivation well, of, and the fantasy of taking an unwilling one so what are we gonna do take it out on somebody and it's my that, birthday yeah yeah she's the one that i wanted so Ew. isn't it it's so Ew. turns my stomach this is so icky it really is Wait till you see them. <laughs> God, I'm sorry, but wait until you it. see them. It's been hours since I ate. We should be okay. <laughs> so on March 14th of 2013, Deputy Medical Examiner Craig Nelson testified that the victim had been strangled with some kind of ligature, like mm-hmm. they had said, and that her body had been moved to where it was found near Lake Skinner. The forensic pathologist said there were two marks on Kilgore's neck, in tiny hemorrhages in her eyes that indicated strangulation as the cause of death. Dr. Nelson also discovered cuts on the victim's left wrist and left knee that suggested someone had attempted to dismember the body. The cut to the left leg was so deep that it reached the bone. The bone contained tool marks that indicated a saw had been used in the attempt to dismember and this had occurred post-mortem. Okay, that was going to be my question. Please tell me they could tell that it happened yes. post-mortem. Okay. I'm so relieved for that. Oh, this poor girl. So after Dr. Nelson had testified, another woman had testified that she lived with Dorothy Margellino in the house for three months in 2010. And according to this witness, she had been Margellino's sex slave for a time and knew that both Dorothy Margellino and Marid, I think it's Marigelino, I'm butchering it, and Louis Perez enjoyed choking their sex partners. Like that okay. was a big deal mm-hmm. of their sexual yep. role playing. Okay. That kind of goes with the choking that happened. Sure. So on March 16th of 2013, uh, Vista Superior Court Judge Michael Kirkman ruled that the prosecution had presented enough evidence that they could do a full murder trial. They can trial. go like, to trial. We've got enough here. Yeah. Like, yep. we're enough gonna... prelim- preliminary evidence. Yep. We're going to trial. We're taking people. her to trial on April 14th of 2014. So it sounds like there was a lot of what we see so much, like yeah. appealing. Of course. Delaying. Yep. Dorothy Margellino, I think, was was the, the problem child. Yeah. That she went through like four attorneys. <laughs> which you know took of several course. several years of of all of this. Brittany's at one poor family having to go through I all know. this before they can see justice. I know. At one point, she insisted on representing herself, and then of changed course. her mind. Oh, this is funny. She dismissed two lawyers. Um, the judge assigned her a public defender, and. And that defender asked to be removed from the case. So she was like a nightmare to deal with. She kind of reminds me of Susan Monica. Have you ever heard of that case before? I, I might cover so. it sometime, but 
This is exactly what she does as well. Goes through a ton of attorneys and tries, ends up representing yeah. herself. And it's not good. <laughs> it's never good, people. Yeah. I feel like it was just all delay strategies. Finally, she gets this attorney, Jane Kinsey, the fourth one. And that that attorney is like, I need more time to prepare. Could I have a little more time? Because there's like 7,000 pages of stuff here. Yeah. So they do delay it a little bit more. Of course. And the whole time they're just incarcerated, right? Because they can't post yep. their bond. So it's like. Yep. They're they're just delaying uh, this trial. Just, yeah. She's just delaying the inevitable. <laughs> Louis Perez. So his attorney. I, I, the description just cracks me up. It says, Attorney Brad Patton representing Louis Perez, the accused sex dungeon master. Oh, okay. Um, sex dungeon master. I, that's I probably what that's he calls he himself yeah. in prison. I bet it is. Um, so they he filed a series of motions in 2014 that slowed the process even sure. more. So this actually, this stretches out for several years of this. So you're getting the picture. Like there's more notes of delays and motions so and sad. appeals and all kinds of stuff happening. That's so sad for the family. It is because they don't get their like, they have to wait to get that mm-hmm. closure, I guess, mm-hmm. if you can Absolutely. even call it that. Justice, damn it. Justice. That would be a better way to put it. There was also argues as to what could be submitted for evidence and disputing oh, that. Like the pigs read this document. They tried to dispute that being submitted on Jessica Lopez's behalf. And the judge is like, uh, no, that's pretty significant. Yeah. We're going to go ahead yeah, and submit nice that. Nice try, though. <laughs> So finally, on September 8th of 2015, in Vista, California, they finally selected the jury. They finally got this ball rolling. And the three of them were tried all together at the same time. Okay. I can't help but think they knew it was going to be a pretty clear Mm -hmm. picture. Yeah. Like I said, there was a considerable amount of evidence that was submitted. It was, I mean, all signs pointed to the three of them being guilty. They were right. able to prove. Participating in this. Yes. They were able to prove that the kidnapping was pre-planned, the, the torture that they all participated yes. in it. Like I said, I didn't get those details, but I do believe that she lived a, I mean, she had right. a night of horror. Right. I'm okay not hearing those details. Yeah. They were able to prove that this could have been uh, possibly with the birthday coming up, a yep. celebration, Ugh. and the they had the DNA evidence. Yeah, the gloves, absolutely. the blood was confirmed to be Brittany's. Mm-hmm. The taser had her DNA and Louis Pro's. And plenty of witnesses testifying that we knew that the three of them were into these things together. Yep, and they yeah they did all of these things together. So the the trial lasted about two months. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, a couple months of this going right. on, but in the end, they were. Thank God, convicted of. Oh, good. They were convicted of murder, first degree murder, torture, conspiracy to commit kidnapping, kidnapping, and attempt to commit sexual battery. Hallelujah. Yep. The judge sentenced to all three to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And that's where they still remain to this day. And hopefully Lewis is dominating no one now and is being dominated. I hope so. And I didn't bother to look up where they were. Because I I don't don't really care. Um, We don't care. I'm going to show you them, though. So that's the trio. Oh, my God. There's just Um, all sorts of ick. Nope. So, so much ick. I'm not feeling that at all. Oh, this one, I feel like just this top one really captures, like, what we're dealing with. If anal fissures had a face. <laughs> yes, it would be these three. That's it. You know, the last guy that I called an anal fissure might not have actually hit the spot. Those. 
And I'm sorry, but if a uh, surgeon up here, like, he just looks creepy. What does that look? <laughs> like, what? He's That's like, a look of, he's got an he, anal fissure bothering He looks him. like he just sat on his own balls. <laughs> like, I just, you know what? That is, I think, what's that's going on. The look. Yeah. Huh. And again, I would love to be the person capturing the worst possible photos of these kinds of yes, people to absolutely. post them publicly. Yep. Well, you can take all three of those pictures that we're talking about oh, and we put will. on our Facebook page. Yep, you I caption them however them. you want. Yep. That is, that's our trio. And this is Brittany. Oh, she is gorgeous. So pretty. Yep, so they just couldn't stand that a pretty she would not let them dominate her. Yep. So rest in, in peace, rest Brittany. In peace, Brittany. I'm so sorry that that's what, that, who they she had to see yeah. and oh. endure torture from. It's, it's horrible. No. So that's my that's the case that I have for you today. Um, thank you for murderous trios week. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Question mark. Can we move on? We can. To a brain bath because I, I have to put all of that behind me. I did a little, like, I wanted to search. This is your birthday week. So I wanted to search for something special. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. And so what <laughs> would be more special than arrest stories that happened at Walmart? <gasps> oh, the Walmarts. The Walmarts. Oh, let me snuggle in for my present. <laughs> And let me tell you, there's so many good ones. I, I was bet. hard to pick just a couple. I bet. But I did find, I found a list of 12. I'm just going to pull a few from this list. Okay. The whole list is good, but. Happy birthday to yeah, me. Exactly. Wow. I knew this is what you'd want. You so, know me so well. I could tell by your face how tickled you were I was with excited. this brain bath. So I'm yeah. happy for I was you excited. too. So the first one. The title is Man Stuffs Walmart Steaks in Pants Escapes on Moped. <laughs> of course, it's a moped. Yes. Not going to be a full vehicle. Steaks are expensive. They, I, they I mean, are. I get it. You get a good T-bone, you're shelling out. Also, you know. you're eating the meat after rubbing it on your meat. There's an irony there that we can't just ignore. And, you know, you might not have room for the whole package, so maybe he took it out of just, like, bare meat. I don't know. <laughs> the motion just you just made. <laughs> just slide it right down it. there. It says, police said, police said a man took more than $100 worth of steaks. Like you said, they they ain't cheap. He probably, he probably had get two. two. <laughs> <Yes>. Exactly. <laughs> he stashed them down his pants, then used a moped to get away from his alleged crime. Nash County Sheriff's deputies eventually caught Keith Jordan, the man, in the pouring rain. Riding the moped. Oh, his meat got wet. It did. They found him with wet steaks and some wet steaks, <laughs> wet tube steaks down there. Yeah. Oh, no. Also, I don't, as a man, I don't think I would want to admit that I've got room for $100 worth of steaks between my body and my. You raise pants. a valid point. Just, just saying. This probably wasn't moped. His finest moment. I'm thinking not. It'll, it at least reveals some things. It does. It does. Are you ready for the next one? Of course. So, next one, the title is, this one just sounds fun. <laughs> Woman riding cart drinking wine from Pringles can. I've barred from Walmart. I've read this one. She is my spirit animal. She yes. She is. Drinking wine from a Pringles can riding one of the motor scooters. When you need wine, you don't discriminate no. on what you need. Mm -mm. So... 
Pringles can'll do. Yes, she was drinking wine I, in the morning. Whatever vessel. A boot? <laughs> I don't care. Whatever the vehicle is that's going to put the wine in my mouth, I'm okay. If, if life's just going to give you a boot, you use a boot. That's right. This woman had a Pringles can. Pringles can. Love Pringles, too. She was drinking in the Walmart parking lot. I mean, at least she went outside. Employees requested officers to ban the woman from the local Walmart store after she was drinking wine from the Pringles can for several hours. Oh, shit. But she did ride the electric cart around. So this was like, this took a while. So she's drinking and driving. She was. She was. (laughs) The electrical cart. So this one, there's actually a photo with this one, which I will show you. Um, it says, Walmart streaker douses himself in milk before making bizarre getaway. Uh, listen, y'all heard my brain bag <laughs> where I doused myself in conditioner. I'm, I cannot judge. <laughs> so this one, it says, two Kentucky men were arrested on June 20th over a Walmart streaking video that shows the culprit dressed only in a Halloween mask oh. and a gallon of milk. Pike uh, County Sheriff Rod- Rodney Scott told WIMT that streaking is unacceptable and not a laughing matter. We're not having this, but my- <laughs> are you sure it's not a laughing it's matter? Unacceptable. It's funny. My favorite part of this is that he not only has the the white milk, but he's got the chocolate as well. Oh, I love that he's not discriminating choices uh, variety. Uh, but the chocolate milk is more expensive, so that was more costly. Probably a little more sticky too. I would think. Yeah. Left. Wow. What? Wow. I'm gonna Why one more. Of all the things milk. This one just made me chuckle. It's good for the skin. Yeah, it maybe like, you it know is. I'm taking a milk bath. <laughs> People Sue do me. that. It's a thing. They do. So your final one. Okay. Um, Florida woman used photocopy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when you can't even get through the title. I just appreciate this. Like I appreciate that she tried. Florida woman used photocopied twenty dollar bills <laughs> that she'd made at Walmart at Applebee's. It's a photocopy. <laughs> That'll work. No one's thought of that before. I, I can't fault her for trying. Wow. Do you think she was like, I am such a genius. You know what? She still got the Applebee's though, because she'd went in there and had her meal. Um, but she slipped a 20 that wasn't <laughs> legit. It's gonna slide this over here. Yeah, and this is it's Florida, a, a Florida hey, woman. Florida woman. She tried to she photocopied some bills uh at Walmart. At the, the coffee area. Yeah. And then she went to Applebee's and tried to pay, but they weren't having it. They didn't buy it, and she was arrested. She's like, no, here, here's a picture of my 20. It's legit. I have it. Like, here. <laughs> oh. She also did try to make some purchases with these bills as well at oh. Walmart okay. on January 14th. She gave the cashier five of the fake bills to purchase items. <laughs> But it was a no-go. Well, I thought. But the cashier was like, weird, this 20 isn't the same on the back as it is on the front. (laughs) It's just blank. It's just blank. White photocopy paper. Oh, my gosh. I wish that I could. I wanted to put a face with that one, but there's no picture. But I appreciate those. Thank you. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. That was lovely. You just know what to give a girl, you know? I really do. And like I said, if you're bored on a Friday night, there's many more. I, I and they are good. It's it's Monday, and I might still <laughs> hit it up. Do some reading later. Yes, yeah. some light yeah. reading. 
All right. Well, thank you for joining us for this week's Murderous Trio week. And we hope you keep listening. We hope you keep it curious. Email us case suggestions or brain bath suggestions, crimecurious at yahoo.com. Follow us on our socials. You can also message us there as well. Um, no suggestion is a dumb suggestion. No brain bath is a dumb brain no, bath. No, we love all brain baths. No embarrassing story that you've done is too embarrassing. You can be anonymous. For sure. I have several more that I might pull out just to share of my own. Me too, but I might just like say that it was. Yeah. Yeah. Saying it it for a friend. (laughs) Yeah. That sort of thing. Yep. Yep. (laughs) All right. And until next time, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.